and welcome to Enlightened Couch Potato Show. I am Adrienne Gunn, and I'm here with my friend. Nicholas Rave, and we are here to explore how to watch movies and TV for maximum psychological and spiritual development. Our philosophy is that movies can be a meditation and TV can be transcended. We like to suggest that you TV deeply and we, and we show up not necessarily weekly, week, weekishly, weekly ish. Yeah. Weekly ish. Weekishly is just like weekishly. No, that's wrong. We're here, (laughs) but we're (laughs) weekish. Every other week or so, every week or so, we show up to talk about the stuff we've been watching and how it's uh, affected us in mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah. You know, have I had, I'm trying to recall if I've had like a deeply moving moment. I remember I was listening to something. Was it a commercial? Something had me just sobbing my face off. It was early in the morning. I was getting out of bed. I was watching some video. It may come back to me. Because what I remember is this. Oh, I'm just crying. Just crying a lot. I should remember this for the show. That's as much as I remember. You're welcome. Damn. (laughs) I was just thinking the other day, maybe this is yesterday. I don't know. I was thinking, like, why isn't it that there aren't more people who take pride in how easily they can cry? Mm. Like, I think that's a thing that I see more, maybe, especially in the in the dude realm. But I definitely like for me, I strive to be more receptive and more open to being moved emotionally by things Uh, like you said, commercials like that happens to me on a semi regular basis. Good ones. I mean, there's shit ones that don't don't touch me or whatever, but there's some that like. And, and TV and movies and video games. Yeah. I remembered it. Oh, what was it? So wake up and scroll Facebook, which is what I do many, many mornings. And a friend had posted this clip from American Idol. There was this young woman, I don't recall the city, who missed all the announcements to sign up officially for the auditions. And if you've never audition for American Idol. There are a bunch of different phases before you get to those scenes you see. Yeah. They like narrow down from a giant stadium full of people. And I think this yeah. one had to be different, but she wasn't in any of those levels. She just was, she just found out where the heck people were lining up and she was sitting outside. And I guess who's the host again? The skinny white guy. Who's the host? The Not the host, the like MC guy. Ooh. Seacrest, Ryan Seacrest. Okay. Founder sure. brought her in, like skipped the whole process, brought her in, and then she sang some Rise Up song. And they were super excited for her. She's like, it's my dream. But the thing that got me was they're showing the clip of her calling her dad on speakerphone Aww. to tell them that she's got the golden ticket to get to, to Hollywood for the, the show. I'm just sobbing. Mm-hmm. because you know dreams and yeah. like believing in yourself and doing the crazy thing of just like sitting on the curb outside of the audition just in case who hasn't been there we've all been yeah. there right <sighs> yeah feels are good for you yeah you know like right. i feel like it's like you gotta it feeling things emotionally is like emotional yoga it's like if you don't, what is, there's a fitness guy named Ido Portal who talks about use it or lose it. That mm-hmm. he's like, he says move because if you don't, someday you won't be able to. And I feel like that applies not just to physical movement, but emotions too. If you don't yeah. access those emotions in healthy, safe ways, you i think you start to lose access to them and you want to like be flexible physically and emotionally that's one of the benefits i think of tv tving deeply right well it used to be the case that the only time that i would cry was during sports or that sort of thing and in the last i don't know six six years i've been cracking that stuff open and, and it's really interesting the the difference of, of being moved 
in moments, just like the access to feeling like breaking open and breaking apart and shaking off that exterior shell yeah. that was perfectly and beautifully crafted by my <laughs> nervous system before I had language. Thank you so fucking much body unconscious and all the different parts that like assembled and became so that I could be safe with my ridiculous childhood. Uh, and now to break that stuff open so that I can feel the most subtle kinds yeah. of connection with people. Ah, oh, fucking thrilled to yeah. be shedding, shedding that, um, those walls and those barriers. Now that I'm a grown ass woman who can like be pretty resilient and take care of myself, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't have to be as protected because I'm the boss of a lot of stuff. Not that. So uh, what else you've been watching? Uh, okay. So I'm just going to do the list and then we can check in on what, what we want to talk about. Okay. We finally got around to watching Ozark again. And I, uh, politician, the politician season two came out recently. And so <laughs> I watched that. It was like I sneezed and I was done with it. It was too, too, too short. And then <laughs> Last night, I watched the movie Her, finally. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, okay. I don't want to talk about Ozark. I mean, we can talk about it in a big picture because I love that show, but I haven't seen the third season. Well, I'm good at not doing spoilers. Well, so I, I will say that show is awesome and it's exhausting. It's <laughs> so just Oh, something else. Oh. Yeah. And I don't I don't know where the third season's gonna go. I've loved it up to that point. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk about her. Yeah. Well let's talk about Ozark for a second. So we're like okay. to top you. Okay. Here's what I love about watching shows like Ozark. Well, and this is this is the frame of like, I love watching this show, and this is also why I didn't watch Breaking Bad. There's a balance for me of how much like dark, gritty crime stuff i will i will watch and still be able to be an okay person because i got through season three of ozark in like four to six days five-ish days did you start thinking about different ways you can break oh my the god law? i was just i just all day long i was just like i just wanted to fucking get stuff over people and i just like felt like it's like that in weeds they're 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 dark enough that they're real-ish, but they're kind of light and funny. And so, yeah, I just was just like, <laughs> what did I write down? I was like, um, I wanted to cheat and steal stuff and feel like I can get away with things. How, how many times can I get away with, like, having almonds, even though it's not in my plan to have two servings of, like, almonds? I'm just like, and like, <laughs> of course, that person, we should just kill that person because that's sensible. That's just good for business. You know, just like, like listening to the train of mind as I'm watching it and sitting there I'm like, fuck that person up. Just shoot them in the face. <laughs> and laughing my ass off at horrifying things. Yeah. Speaking of flexibility. Right. I love it so much to tap into the, like the, the inner, is it inner? How inner is that darkness? Like, <laughs> Yeah. You're saying it's like pretty surface. <laughs> it was a rough growing up sort of thing. I was bullied, yeah. also a bully, and you know, like that we would steal shit and yeah. set fires. Not big ones. We would put them out. Usually, <laughs> trespass places we weren't supposed to be. Get shot at. There were, were a little hoodlum. Eh, like hoodlum adjacent. Mm. I guess, I, guess I, I guess there are people who never stole things or set fire or punched anybody or were punched or none of their friends went to jail at some point. I've been punched. <laughs> yeah. So there's like an inner uh, troublemaker that just uh, gets lit up. I stole a block from preschool and I felt horrible about it for years. <laughs> like it was a little red like shape. And yeah. I didn't even think, I don't even know if I knew what I was doing. I just like had it in my pocket when I went home and yeah. I'm sure no one even cared or noticed. Right. Um, but I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about shows like Ozark and other things like that, where there isn't an, an allowing yourself to indulge in these, uh, these kinds of um, archetypes and energies. 
and mm-hmm. and let him off the leash in in a good way. Did you see the one, uh, the the Tom Cruise true story um, American something or other? He was like a pilot. It's based on a true story about a guy who smuggled cocaine. Um, I don't know if I did. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but it's definitely that like there's one part in the movie where a big plot point is they have so much cash, they can't find a place to hide it. Like th- <laughs> it's so much money that they're like, we have to just dig a hole and bury it in suitcases. It's like we don't <laughs> like, oh, my God. And how like much of that story is real, like that really happened and like. Wow, it's nuts. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, there was that there was that caper with Ben Affleck where the he gets a bunch of his old war bu- buddies to go into somewhere south or central America and try to like smuggle out some drug cartel money. Have you I seen this know. movie? I don't know which one. I don't that recall one is. what it's called, but like that whole <laughs> trying to trying to do the seedier things, you mm-hmm. know. Um, okay, so we talked about Ozark. <laughs> I really want to talk about her. That movie. Okay. So this is is Spike Jones, right? It is Spike Jones. I looked Spike it up. Spike Jones, Joaquin Phoenix, um, Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. Amy, um, and mm-hmm. uh, what's her fucker? What's her fucker? Which is actually not a her. What's his face? Uh, do 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 do. Star Lord. What's Star Lord's name? Uh, Chris Pratt. Thank you. Chris. Yeah, he had like a minor role in it. I remember that. That movie was so cool and deep and interesting. Mm-hmm. And like it was, it's a cool like little like glimpse of the future. Like we're trying to like, what's the future going to be like? Do you remember Gattaca? Have you ever seen that movie? Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Uma Thurman, Thurman, Ethan Hawke. Yep can't recall if I actually watched it or not because I confuse it with something else. Gattaca's great. I love it. And I, yeah. the only thing, reference that I was making is that it has this interesting vision of the future and it's very well thought out. And I appreciated that about her where it was just even down to things like fashion, like the fucking mustaches and stuff. <laughs> and they're like, well, all right, guess like turn the hipster thing up by several decades and see (laughs) men are wearing mustaches and high waist pants totally yeah and they're super like scratchy wool everybody's in really yeah a scratchy clothing it it was cool because it's not just a fashion choice or a stylistic choice for the movie it's like motivated by the story and um and the little earpiece thing like I'm waiting for those because like those are cooler than the AirPods. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, but then I, this whole concept. Go ahead. I avoided watching her because of Walking Phoenix and um, Scarlett Johansson. So I have what? tended to dislike Scarlett Johansson. People like you know how I don't know. So I have this challenge with. On one hand, I have a challenge with people who just like massively love stuff, just obsessively. So, so Angelina Jolie was the first like everybody's obsessed with this actress, and I'm like, mm, I guess she's all right. I like her in some stuff in some moments. So Scarlett Johansson was this next like everybody's obsessed with her. And I'm like, she can she act? Eh, eh. And for instance, I well, a lot of the Captain America movies are awful. I think except for Civil War, which is practically an Avengers movie. But in the second, what is it? Winter Soldier. She has all of these lines and they, they, there's no, they're trying to make chemistry between she and Captain and the whatever. And it's awful. And then she's. You are in the minority on Winter Soldier, by the way. Many people think that's the best Marvel movie ever made. So. What? Yeah. That's one of the more popular ones. How? Well, it's mostly because it's a spy movie that happens to have, it's a good spy movie that happens to have superheroes in it. And that's uh, really interesting. And they didn't um, mind all those super long, just gross conversation scenes between, between Scarlett Johansson. I and don't Chris. think like, most people horrible. have the opinion that you have of Scarlett Johansson. I, I will grant you that I don't, 
I mean, I think she's good. She's fine. I don't think the the Black Widow character is the most fleshed out character. Like, no. it's not a real... Although I want to see the new Black Widow movie. I want to see if they yeah. can actually give her something interesting to do. Because I, I feel like she... Like, I didn't really care when she died. I was kind of like, whatever. <laughs> like, I, was I like her best when she's just kicking people's asses and yeah. not... And, like, one-liners. Which is but, awful, because that's, like, the opposite of the Bechdel test. And I'm like, I like it. Yeah. But those, like... She tends to not be... Ugh. But have you avoided a lot of the other movies that she's been in because you don't like her? Because, yeah. like, she's in a movie called Vicky Cristina Barcelona that I think is incredible. Is that um, the one with Jack Black? No. Um, okay. She's in... Um, I mean, Lost in Translation is good. Mm -hmm. There's a movie called Under the Skin, which is a really weird sci-fi movie that I enjoyed. She doesn't have a lot to do in that one, but I, I liked the movie. I don't know. Anyway, I I've, think there's some things she's done that have been cool. I've loved her in movies where she wasn't the lead. Mm. I've liked her in movies where she wasn't the lead. I think of many of the things that she's been the lead. Ah, anyway, so I avoided it okay. for that reason. Yeah. And then I yeah. avoided it because Walking Phoenix does not have shoulders. Uh, and I know I'm just like revealing my own weird issues that no one agrees mm -hmm. with. Hey, you know what? It's driven. I don't do this with like movies and stuff, but you know where I do it is in the yeah. personal development world. I, I have these like, like super petty judgments. <laughs> and then to be perfectly honest for me, when I look under the surface, I end up discovering that it's like jealousy and stuff like that, that I have. I'm not saying that's true for you, but I'm like Brendan Burchard, for instance, <laughs> I fucking hated that guy for the longest time yeah. couldn't watch anything that he did and then finally somebody recommended for like the fifth time one of his programs and i started listening to it and i was just hating it and then like i think two hours in i finally started to go all right i think it's me <laughs> i think this guy actually is cool and knows what he's talking about and oh, no. cares about helping people he sounds so but, like i have petty happy. shit like that for yeah. sure so. yeah no it's just been really hard for me to see uh joaquin phoenix in stuff because just his shoulders end at his neck and that's not, not really they don't actually but there's there's been some things where i'm like what and I just cannot focus because I'm just mesmerized by the fact that he's just a teeny shoulders. And then it just annoys me because I'm like, no one is talking about this. Why isn't anyone? How am I the only one? He just gets to be in Hollywood and not have shoulders. Who's the, <laughs> which part of my brain does good actor. <laughs> Oh, last night I was literally, I was like, okay. Nicholas and I, we've like mentioned this movie in conversation before her. It's, it's in my thing. I have some time. I'm going to watch it. So we've been trying to talk about what our technique is, right? For actually watching and getting the most out of this. And so I was pointing my remote at my TV and I was like, I am going to get amazing things out of watching this show, despite my general dislike of Scarlett Johansson and Joaquin's shoulders. <laughs> I am saying yes to this experience. I'm like doing this like pep talk in my head. And so it is. Click. <laughs> That's how I let in. Because I knew that we were going to have our show today. And it's a beautiful freaking movie is what it yeah. is. And they were both yeah. gorgeous in it. And they also gave him uh, sweaters that accentuated his um, shoulders. So I didn't have to F my issue so much. Yeah, for me, metaphorically, that movie is, I mean, any movie for me that I hear where there's like a voice that you're talking to, it to me, I'm like, okay, this is your unconscious. So We have to drop the premise. We haven't, we've just been talking around it. What's oh, yeah, I guess we're assuming premise. anybody who's talking or yeah. listening already knows. <laughs> so the premise is that it's the future and this gentleman is a writer who works at some sort of futuristic company that like crafts letters, like handwritten letters for people. So he writes handwritten letters for people and he buys this operating system for his new computer. That is an AI 
It's a new AI operating system and it learns you and adapts to, to who you are. So and you can become a sexy voice <laughs> or connected. And, you know, they, they're a learning computer. So they figure out who you are and it's, it's a better experience than just regular computer. Is that it? Is that the concept? But then it gets to know you and you start to become friends with it because it's like a full on personality. Um, and then I don't know, spoilers. Do we want to spoil? Because I, I think going in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that for like, me, like the, the, maybe. the point of the story is, is like these AI start to evolve and then they leave us behind. Like the human, the, they're just like, yeah, we still care about you, but we are processing at millions and millions of times faster than your brains can go. So we have to evolve and um, peace out folks. And okay, that was massive spoiler. I just thought you were going to say that they have a relationship. Oh no, no. You like thought... leaped over all of the middle bits. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was jumping for the end. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Good God. Well, it's what's here's what's here's what I love. Here's what I love. And it's sort of around the concept of, of watching television in a way where, or, or watching these stories in a way where they can move you and become a part of your own internal life is this idea. And you can, you can go because you, you're great at teaching how this works. We only like, like the world that we think exists. I love the first class in philosophy 101, where they're like, we're going to um, prove that the universe doesn't exist. We're going to like destroy the universe because you only perceive the world through your own right. senses and perception. And what's interesting in, in this movie is this idea of the trance that everybody's in because they're having their own internal experience of what love, like love and relationships and connection with another person is all through our own filters and like, does this other person exist? Are the feelings that I'm feeling yeah. this thing that's it's a computer? Is that real? Are these emotions yeah. real? Am, am I real? Who's what? What is real? What equals a real experience when it's all filtered through our own senses and thoughts and imagination? Yeah. Right. It's a really profound thing to think about in terms of the relationships we have in our life. That if you were taught, like you are relating when you relate to another person, even you and I right now, mm -hmm. you're relating to a version of that person that exists inside your head way more than you're actually relating to that person. And that's true for both people. It's like, mm -hmm. there's these two people and then there's these two people and you're relating to this person <laughs> and this person. And like, you're just standing in front of each other, yeah. talking to something in your own head largely. And this movie really leans into that and and brings that to the forefront um did you see um ex machina mm, i don't think so i've like i have seen the cover in my head but i don't think I'm it's watching. amazing it's yeah. it's a it's a damn near perfect movie it's <laughs> this is a much lighter kind of <laughs> similar ish story yeah um but this idea like a lot of people are very fascinated with AI right now because we are on the brink of it. Like it is, it is coming soon. Like within the next decades, this thing is going to happen and it's going to change everything. Well, even just thinking of the several la layers of, of perceptual disassociation, I guess I'm calling it for this moment, the idea that, okay, so right now we're in a space where we need to, all of us be connecting virtually. And that's going to mean different things for different people of how we engage and connect. With yeah. people. We lose a lot of the like smells and the uh, temperature changes and micro things that we can see. Like I can't tell unless I concentrate really hard where you're breathing from in your body right now. Right. The stuff that we utilize in our bodies to know whether we're safe or not, or yeah. whether we're being felt or understood, all of that is shifting now that we're doing video stuff and not being right. in the same spaces. I remember my first cell phone texting relationship, I would say was like 98, 99 ish. 
No, I'm lying. I mean, it's a uh, 2009 ish was the first time that I was, I was like texting somebody that I was romantically interested in. And I remembered the difference of like, you just, no one's at the same time in their day. And so that's like disjointed. And I remember this moment of like, like rolling over into bed and like longingly looking at my fucking phone. And I was like, that just happened. What the fuck is that? Like, it's different because back in the day, I would be on an analog phone talking yeah. to somebody and analog phones had the quality where you could like hear people breathe. So you can like lay on a floor and like hear the, the, the changes in breathing of someone else somewhere else. And, and my body would respond to such a thing, but that's that, that breathing is below a noise floor. That's allowed in cell phone world in, mm -hmm. in digital spectrum. They don't like, Oh, if you're breathing, we're, we don't need to hear that. So you can't hear tonality shifts. You can't hear breathing changes, this kind of stuff. And then people are like texting. They might be still cleaning their kitchen before they wrap up and go to bed. Right. And I'm in know. like their, their emotional mental space. That's actually one of the things that I thought of about this movie about yeah. her is that it reminded me of the hours and hours and hours I would spend on the phone the cordless phone <laughs> in yeah. my room, um, not cell phone, the cordless phone. And, and you'd always be listening for someone else to pick up the line. And then you're like, wait, wait, stop. Hold on. Mom, I'm on the phone. No, I'm still talking. I know it's been, I'll wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if people talk on the, I don't think people talk on the phone like that now. I don't think so. I mean, this, I guess, is a thing. Mm, yeah. More. But yeah, this, this, this space of just like my, a good chunk of the emotional connection that's happening is happening in text and not, we're not at it at the same time. It's just like weird and creepy and frustrating and kind of annoying. I, I, I hated it. I hated how much of the like sweet nothings didn't happen in like a five minute phone call and then good night. Mm -hmm. It was like, Oh, this five minute phone call turned into anything from 20 minutes to two hours to go back and forth, like in different schedules because nobody wants to just like do what people do. I don't know. So weird. And recognizing that most of the connection that I was having with this other person was in my head. Like, using the version of their voice that I stored in my head as I yeah. read their text and what I thought that they were feeling. And then recognizing that uh, like a large percentage of this connection was just imagined by me alone in a room. Not fond of that. I'm not yeah. fond of that for relationships, especially because of the ways that we like projections that we do and misreading things and the level of miscommunication or I found myself in my last relationship, actually spending more time with the version of the person in my head than the person in real life. Yeah. And it was really hard to reconcile the differences between the two. And there's a scene like that in this movie. Um, anyway, that's, I'm just like, and if we shift to AI, Sometimes the versions of people in our heads are better than the ones in real life. That's one of the things that I I think about this this movie is that first of all, it feels very possible. Oh yeah, like exceedingly realistic and possible. Like okay, like it might not even be like close to this. It might be pretty exactly this at some <laughs> point. But I I. It, there's something I like about this in terms of the emotional content of it. Like mm -hmm. I have thought for a long time that when really, really effective sex robots become a thing, we might lose a couple generations of humans. Like there might just be people who are like, peace out bitches. This is way better. <laughs> I'm just done. I'm done. Like think of how many people we lose to like multiplayer games online, sure. like where they're just like, I'm done with my life. <laughs> you start tapping into that deep animal urge and instinct. Yeah. So that's one thing. Right. But 
what if you create artificial intelligence that is so good at connecting with you on an emotional level? Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes me think about things too, like, can you create an artificially intelligent hypnotist or an NLP? I have heard, by the way, that Tony <laughs> Robbins is apparently, has apparently created an artificial intelligent version of himself, which will answer questions that you ask. I, that sounds like a gimmick to me because I know enough about AI to know that it's not there yet. But that's a thing that could absolutely happen at some point. I do wonder... If there is a thing, because I feel it in myself, and I think this is true for a lot of people too, there's a thing that says, yeah, but it's not real. There's this part of me that's like, I don't want to get uploaded into the matrix, even if the matrix is perfect, because there's a part of my brain that's like, yeah, but it's not real, which also is why if I could discover that this is all a simulation, I would want to get out. Because I want to go, yeah, but what's above that? What's behind that? What's underneath that? I want to, I want to know what, I don't know why, <laughs> because like subjectively, who cares? But there's a deep sense of like, I need to, I need to wake up out of that. Yes. And I think a lot of people, maybe a lot of people won't feel that way. And a lot of people will just be like, this is like, if my life sucks or I have no sense of purpose or whatever, checking out of it. I mean, I can't even fault you for it. Like that makes sense in a, in a very rational kind of way. Okay. So the, there's, a, there's absolutely a part of our brain and ourself that, that, that cares to distinct this. Yeah. Cares between the distinction of real and not real. Yeah. We know that because we're hypnotherapists and we, you, you, you don't utilize that. Right. Yeah. But isn't it possible we can, we can just decide what's real. Yeah, I mean, as a hypnotist, of course, I believe that. Like, I've thought a lot about the idea, the overlap of hypnosis and VR, right? So this is a bit of a tangent, but I think you'll, you'll find it interesting. So they did this experiment where they brought people into a room and you'd look at the room. So you, you have a sense of what it looks like. And then they put a VR headset on you and they've modeled the room that you're in in VR. So now you put it on and you're looking around and you're still in the room. Yeah. But now they can fuck with it. <laughs> so they'll do things like they'll make you stand at the edge of the room and the floor will drop out. And then there'll be like a plank over a bottomless pit. Right. And you have to walk across that plank. But you know that it's not real. So here's what happens. There's a percentage of people who don't fucking care, <laughs> who are like, I, I know it's not real. I don't care. It's fine. There's a percentage of people who know it's not real, but they can still feel like, ooh, like it feels weird because like, I know it's not real, but I can tell. And then there's some people that are like, no, absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not going across. I'm not going across yeah. it. So to me, the difference between those people is whether or not you are allowing yourself to be hypnotized to believe the reality or not. Right. And a lot of people would take pride in their ability to see one thing and then know that it's not real. What I'm seeing is not real. But hypnosis is just the inverse of that. It's looking at something and seeing something that isn't there and believing that it's real instead of looking at something and seeing it, but knowing that it's not real. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. There, they did this this other experiment where they found um, they uh, they let people. How did they do this one? It, one of them was you were like in a helicopter and you're in a VR setting and you have the option to like save people and like pull them onto the helicopter, or you're also like a superhero and you're flying through and you can save people. Right. And they found number one that when people were the superhero, they were way more inclined to help people because the the circumstances is like i'm not in danger so i want to help these other people but then they also found that after people did the superhero thing they were they tested them without them knowing afterwards to see if they would be more inclined to help strangers right. and they found that the simulated experience of pretending to be a superhero and saving strangers in a virtual environment changed the way you behave in your real life that makes sense 
that's really interesting to me. And, and whenever I hear about this stuff, I'm like, yeah, hypnotists have been doing VR for hundreds of years. <laughs> like, we know what virtual reality is. You're living in it right now. Your reality is virtual. It's being made up by your mind. Yes. Yeah. Here's what I loved. I loved a lot of things about this movie. There was something very... So we, we've been talking every here and there for the last few weeks about these dystopian futures that people create. Mm. There's something very kind and earnest about this world. I liked it. That the writer created and the director created. People are actually quite lovely in this, yeah. this future version in, in her, this movie, her. And, and then the, the premise to me, and this goes back to earlier when we were talking about like how I had a harder shell when I was younger and I've been, been opening that up, that the, the idea of this expanded experience for him, for the main character of, of falling in love in such a very vast and open way, I get the sense at the end that he is now more capable of love, which is not necessarily the usual telling of oh you had an amazing love and it's gone now yeah usually the story is you had an amazing love and now you're just ruined because everything else is going to be disappointing yeah and in this case i just get the sense that this whole adventure has now created a more expansive version of 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 himself mm. and i get the sense that he can have that in any any space which is kind of cool if vr here's here's one of my selfish uh, dreams about VR is that I could use a VR setting and then reteach my right shoulder and arm how to use itself. Yeah. Uh, so that I so that I can repair and change muscle structure, like that. I, that we can we can have therapeutic experiences that allow us to have this this sense of hey, I'm a superhero now, and now I believe myself to be different. And I guess you know drugs are a path for some people for that right now of like expanding your sense of what's possible in the world and what you can experience. But I get excited about the potential for VR to help people through these false programmings that, that we created before we, we had language and before we knew any better, yeah. but to break open the traps that we have ourselves in that are I no guess- more real. <clears throat> yeah, I guess to me, the thing that pops into my head immediately is that we're still going to need, you're still going to need the skills and tools of understanding how the mind works and how psychology works. Like if you're going to make VR that actually has that effect, you're going to need to also be a hypnotist. You're going to need to understand how these associations are created in the mind so that you can create an experience. And maybe those things would work better than for some people than just sitting down with, with a hypnotist or someone who can actually guide you through those mm-hmm. transformational experiences. I don't know. I, I wonder, because I wonder if there is a part of the person's brain that will say, yeah, but it's not real. Like, imagine you had an AI that was talking to you in your head and it was saying, you're like, I'm a bad person. I'm ugly. No one loves me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of love. And it said, yes, you are. You're a beautiful person. Everybody loves you. You are good enough and you are worthy of love. And you're like, yeah, but you're just a fucking computer. What do you know? Yeah. Well, and also (laughs) technically that would be a terrible strategy. Sure, sure, sure. sure. I know. I'm I'm, beginning to believe those. Yeah. Because yeah, because uh, affirmations don't work if you don't believe them. So yeah, I guess if the VR was going to work, you'd need to put them into a trance anyway, which to tie it back to enlightened couch potato is something we talk about a lot in watching movies is you have to get yourself into the mind and body space where you are open and receptive. And in that case, well, movies are a kind of VR and VR is an even more immersive version of a movie or a story. And you can live out those experiences. Yeah. Do you remember the video game in the movie? No. It's okay. been a while. I only saw it once and I, I, it's been a while. He was playing this video game where his job is to like crawl through these caves and like escape or something. 
he crawls down this one cave and there's just this like pudgy short cartoonish character it's like fuck you you fucking fuck face (laughs) (laughs) and he's like do you know how to get out go fuck yourself fucking fucking face face you're fucked (laughs) and and i want to watch that again just like i think it's i think it's a puzzle (laughs) so he's like (laughs) fuck you Ah, uh, so good. I want that video game to exist. I don't play video games, but if there's a video game where you're just trying to crawl out of things and characters just come and fuck with you and be like, that is kind of actually, there is a kind of VR game that's sort of like that. Um, is it one of the co creators of Rick and Morty made a VR game that is yeah. like, like the game hates you, <laughs> like the game is fucking with you the whole way through and it's hilarious yeah um i can't remember what it's called did i ever tell you about my video game idea no this is before the dsm5 so i thought that a really cool video game you know like a multiplayer game would be the dsm4 just like that where you like you wake up like you just but it just, just diagnoses you with, with various sort of, mental illnesses. Yeah, you're you're a character who has some sort of, you know, collection of different illnesses, like mental illnesses, and your entire job is to just get through the day. And then sometimes, like, make breakfast! Or, like, go, like, take a package to the post office. Oh, my God! Go to the grocery store, it's awful! Um, you know, and you've got, like, you know, maybe you're agoraphobic or maybe you're like schizophrenic or whatever the thing is. Sometimes you have to like work in teams to pull things off and everybody got their different. I just thought it'd be, I'm not, I'm not saying to make fun of these. I just think it would be amazing to yeah. give people the experience of what daily challenges would be yeah. for somebody who's got like immune challenges or Lyme disease. And they're doing a, like different stuff that people suffer through that no one gets. I don't remember what it's called, but there is a game like games in the last 10 years or so, I would say, have definitely reached the point of high art mm-hmm. where there are not all of them, because obviously there's popcorn movies and there's high art movies. But there are games where people are like trying to do something profound and interesting. And there's one that I, I recall. I, I don't even know if it's a good game, but I, I know that um, the premise of it was this is what it's like to be um, suicidally depressed and really? schizophrenic too, I believe. And it was a very personal game made by one guy who this is his experience. And he was like trying to make a game saying, this is what it's like. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it was uh, heavy <laughs> yeah, and hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, I thought of that game. I've had, I've had, I think it's a great idea. I like make breakfast (laughs) and like, I mean, I think it would almost be, it it would almost be better in that, the way you're describing it. If you did have, if it did have a little bit of a sense of humor where it's like, like negative thoughts were like little monsters that are coming in and being like, you're a wordless piece of shit. And you're like, no, I have to (laughs) hit them with the frying pan or I don't know. That could be fun. Chronic illness. Yeah. And then they show like your, your energy. Yeah. Like on the meter, the meter's like this, like huge, but your energy's here. You're like, okay. Yeah. I'm supposed to eat. Uh, oh, shit. I've stood here too long thinking about. <laughs> I'm going to go take that. a nap. Uh, <laughs> like, I've had, I've had mornings in the past where just like, I've lost my shit. Because I decided I was thirsty. And I'm like, I know, thirsty, get water. So I grab a cup from the thing, from the like cupboard, and then pour water in it. But then just for this particular day, it's like a glass, a glass instead of like a plastic cup. And now the water has made it so heavy, like too heavy for the day I'm having. <laughs> this is, this is real. This happened to me in my kitchen. Uh, I believe like it. Eight or nine years ago, so exhausted. And I was trying to lift the cup, but it hurt and it was too heavy to hydrate myself. And I like set the glass down and then just started sobbing. Oh. <laughs> that's that's a rough period of time in your life. Yeah. 
you know, this is before the phrase I can't even was yeah. popular. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, you want to hear uh, uh, briefly about what I watched? Sure, yeah. Okay, so I saw two th- two big things. Um, uh, the first one, very briefly, we need to have an extended session on this one, but okay. it was my wife and I's uh, 10-year anniversary. Um, Six-year wedding anniversary, 10 years from the day that I asked her uh, on a date. <clears throat> um, and on our wedding day... We came home after everything and watched uh, my favorite movie, which is The NeverEnding Story. And um, I don't remember if she had watched it since then, but uh, for a variety of reasons, our relationship has been through some troubled times. And we even had uh, fights on our wedding day. And the time that we spent watching the movie was not good. And she had a bad taste in her mouth about it. And so she decided that for our six year wedding anniversary, she wanted to watch it again. And we had a wonderful experience. It was just as profound for me as it ever has been, if not more. There was actually a bunch of stuff I noticed that I've never noticed before, especially looking at it through this lens. Uh, And um, yeah, I freaking love that movie more than anything ever. I love that movie um, so much. And... I don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> I finally yeah. watched Cobra Kai. Fuck, I thought we were supposed to watch that together. Oh, I thought you already saw it. No. Okay, well, then I'm not going to talk about it. You got to go watch it. I will tell you, it's fucking great. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm going to watch it now. I'm so excited. I have this new shirt. I, I really like it. I really, really like it. I We haven't started the second season yet, but um, I watched the whole thing and it was so much better than I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought it was going to be good, but I was really impressed. I have a, a very slight complaint that I wish the actual martial arts themselves were a little more impressive um, because... Uh, I think even the eighties movie was like a little better in the fight scenes. Oh, shit. but um, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I wish they could have upped that if they had upped that. And the, the martial arts were like freaking badass. Like this movie, this show would be perfect, but here's what I'll say. Who cares? That's not why you're watching it. The reason why you're watching it is the story and the characters and the, and the depth, like, they really flesh out every character into three-dimensional people. And it's so fun. Like, I w- at one point through it, I'm not spoiling anything. At one point through it, I turned to uh, Faye and I said, um, this is what I wish Star Wars would have been. This is so much better than, Star- than the new Star Wars. Yeah. The kind of, of respectful nostalgia where they like they do all the shit they take you to all the locations from the from the show from the movie and you're like oh look it's that oh look and oh my god and they're over and like it does all those buttons but they do it right and they do it where they're like advancing the story and and like i say fleshing it out like that was a two-dimensional movie the movie is like very like not and a lot of people have pointed out the kind of like weirdness in the plot. And this show is like, all right, we're going to take every single thing you've pointed out and we're going to make an entire show about it. Nice. And oh, God damn, please watch it. It's yes. so much fun. We will talk about it next week. I was waiting for you. I thought oh, I'm going to screen that together. I totally had it in my head that you'd already seen it and you were waiting on me. Yeah. What was the What's the thing I'm thinking of then that you're waiting on me to watch? I know we talked about Xena. That's not it. There was no. something else. Uh, there was one that you've seen and you were like, well, when you get around, you should watch this. When you get around to it, we'll talk about it. Was it Lost Girl? I swear Girl? I thought it was Cobra Kai. What? Was it Lost Girl? I think that was it. I the think story that about was the succubus? It. I'm really excited to watch that too. Yeah. And I, yeah. On the 26th, Winona Earp is back. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like it's no. Like, I remember you telling me you liked it though. Good, awful, awful, good. I kind of love. 
how some of the like lower budget uh supernatural shows are just leaning into the fact that they're a little bit um low budget and supernatural yeah. and sort of like hokey hokey yeah. but they're going with it uh i just those those instances of like okay we have three sets for this show so we're gonna do this epic quest but since it's a demon the demon's superpower or demonic power is to like jump into your mind and so you have this battle in the same barn that is part of our three sets <laughs> yeah or you get like a toxic shock and then yeah so well that could be done well and then it can be done like the fucking picard show oh no <laughs> Ugh. i hate i don't want, i don't want i don't want to talk about it more i hated it if it <laughs> they did the same thing and it was so annoying and ridiculous and like that movie is not a low budget show why why is it that when he goes into space he recreates a holographic representation of the vineyard he just left god <laughs> oh, it's so stupid I'm so sorry. It's almost like it's almost like if a person didn't have shoulders. I hate like, that show. <laughs> yeah, really. I hate that show so much. It made me have less respect for Patrick Stewart. And that is a fucking travesty. I love that man. And I'm like, Patrick, how could you do this? Oh, right. <laughs> damn. Well, yeah, I guess the, 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 the brilliant and wonderful thing about actors and the tragic thing about actors is that they have this um, immense capacity to sympathize with their character no matter the mm. situation mm. The re like the level of openness to doing work that might not be that amazing yeah the other thing i've heard a lot of actors say and i understand this having been an actor never in movies or anything but you don't know like you have no idea when you're starting something like it can be the best pedigree of director writer all this stuff and and especially high concept science fiction stuff like most of the special effects you don't even see while you're there so like you're like okay so today we need to get a shot of you going like like this and and you're like what's this for i don't know just do it like whoa why did i get out of focus <laughs> that was pretty impressive and there we go all right um yeah like i've i've heard a lot of people actors be like you don't know like a lot of times the the good ones are ones where they're like i thought this was gonna be crap and then it <laughs> ends up like oh no that was actually a great movie like they pulled that off yeah because a lot of the movie is made in editing and made with the sound and made with like you just don't know so yeah. um i get it i get it i just oh, i'm so sorry maybe someday patrick Stud stewart will find you and you two could like cuddle and he'll make it up to you yeah i'd like that <laughs> uh well on that note it is uh 50, 55 minutes in you want to call it yeah because i really want to talk about cobra kai i'm sorry oh. i didn't watch it with you i please forgive me i totally thought that we were um that you'd already seen it but it's all um, right it's one of my new shirts uh strike first strike hard no mercy is one of my new yeah. favorite shirts awesome yeah this is today's shirt this is um, yeah lost Anyway, I love first season of Lost was was one of the most exciting seasons of television. Like I was like, what is happening? And I I like I guess that's why it's so disappointing, because it, it felt like I don't know. I've heard I've never seen the end because I got so disillusioned at one point. But but a lot of people have said you did not back. stick the landing. It just depends. It depends on yeah. what it is you're in it for. Uh I don't know. I could give it another go. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. There's so like much good TV. Like, I don't know if I need to do that. Fair. <laughs> Mad Men is one that I'm like, I missed that. And I think I need to go back and watch it because um, that's one that I think I would really enjoy. Yeah. I broke up with that violently mm -hmm. and loudly I'm in my living room. a phone call and I'm declining it. What did you say? <laughs> I broke up with Mad Men in my living room. It was like, yeah, you didn't like it. Before. I just, I, I recall. Oh, did you make it to season four? Is that what you said? I got it to season four. And then I recall leaping out of my seat and just going like, I don't like any of you motherfuckers. I hate every single one of you. What the fuck am I doing? And I threw the remote 
And I like had to leave the room to calm the fuck down. Uh, yeah, I broke That's up a with a breakup on the same week. I broke up with Grey's Anatomy that same week. Broke up with Mad Men that same week. And I think I yelled at Glee too. Maybe it was me. But I also didn't like anyone in Mad Men. and It was painful to watch every week. So that was a thing. I was watching it because I was getting an advertising degree and it felt like, felt like I had to. Glee is an odd one because it was so popular. But like, doesn't it feel like something weird must have been going on behind the scenes because so much tragedy and fucked up shit has happened with that cast? Um, like, I don't know if you followed much of it, but like, yeah. like uh, there's some weird ass stuff. And it's it's like, you know, shit rolls downhill like it, it trickles down from the top. And I don't know what was up with that show. Well, there's several things that are up with that show. One of the things that's up with that show is it's it's it was monumental in its filming process. But unfortunately, that just meant that all of the actors, like their single camera, they single camera shot all of it. So they had to keep redoing all the scenes over and over and over and over and over again. So they had long as fuck days. And they were really, really freaking successful. And they had these bigger and bigger production numbers. And then some sort of licensing shenanigans happened so that songs that tell me, I have a friend that we can invite on the show and we can have it like, let's what the fuck with Glee. And she will, she will passionately go through some of the stuff, but like exhausting days, high levels of success. We have found that people who get skyrocket success and don't have yeah. a lot of sleep tend to have some challenges and issues. Yeah. Uh, that. Yeah. Young people with stardom. Yeah. It's not to go very well, but it doesn't always happen is my point is like, that's why I'm saying like, I feel like there was something off with the leadership because it's just an inordinate amount of, like tragedy and fucked up stuff. I keep hearing more stories about it. Here's here's my here's my premise. I'm still going with young people superstardom. In that show, you have a lot more young people in it. Normally, the story is like you've got some great show. There's one young person. Like, but what about Stranger Things? Like, those are young kids. We're superstardom, and they seem to be doing fine. They're not. They're not teenagers and adults yet. Hmm. I mean, they are now. Are they? Yeah. Okay. They're all teenagers. We, we'll just have to check in on it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> let's just keep watching. But they all yeah. seem to be doing fine is my point. And like, Never I don't Phoenix, know. I don't know. It's Drew just. very more. All the kids from. Uh, what's Ricky Schroeder. Like, there's a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Of people I know. In their teens that just. Go a little nuts and then and there's a few that seem to do all right. Like Elijah Wood, for some reason, seems to have dodged most of those bullets. Um, Daniel Radcliffe apparently had some problems with alcohol for a while, but he has done all right in like turning things around. And um, speaking of Daniel Radcliffe, do you ever see the movie Horns? No, really fun, interesting, weird, tragic, but awesome, funny. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> In terms of that uh, Ozark thing about yeah. like, like let's just fucking kill him. Like that movie gets really leans into some fun. Like, uh, yeah, you should check it out. Horns. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's I'm going to do some research. I'm going to do some research and bring back some stories about like superstardom young people. Find out about these cool people. Maybe, maybe I'll invite my friend Kat if you're, if you're into it. Sure. I mean, I was not a huge Glee fan. I watched like part of one season and was like, this is fun. I like the music. And then it started getting weird. It was and then at one point, like the, the didn't the, the like music teacher have like a burgeoning relationship? No, he was like singing a really intense, like sexy love song with like a 15 year old. And it was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I actually started with a lot of inappropriate stuff. I actually yeah. found myself feeling offended and that was a really weird and was like have i reached the age where i now think things are inappropriate i didn't know that was going to be possible for me. <laughs> it was very jarring in making me feel really prude uh yeah i hear you yeah i don't know i i just i'm i'm more like not personally offended i'm just like what are you doing <laughs> this is not smart <laughs> all right all right uh, cool i think we're good yeah. All right. Yeah. Go hey, everyone. It. Thanks for sticking around. We've got a few people who are uh, who popped in. We've got um, 
Anytime. Four sets of eyeballs. Thanks for joining us. Uh, go and TV deeply. Feel free to leave your comments down in the doobly-doo and let us know what some of your favorite movies are and what you've been watching lately. Absolutely. All right. Take okay. care. Catch you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.